0: Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Today is Wednesday, May 19th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is how it works, and the step is step three. My name is Matt J.F., and I am a compulsive overeater living in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, So uh, I'm just going to start with a quick prayer. God, I ask you to guide my words, which are even less prepared than usual. Uh, I know that you emptied this from my mind so that I could fill it up with other things and let that cook. And then come in here and see what spills out. I appreciate the program that allows me to show up here and be of service, not with my hair on fire. Despite my lack of preparedness. Amen. So, um, as you just heard, uh, I had, uh, I completely forgot that I was doing this tonight and I wouldn't be here right now if it were not for, uh, one of our fellows who, um, by the grace of my higher power, maybe hers, but certainly mine, uh, heard that I was sharing and mentioned it. And I was like, uh, what, um, and I, I don't know how how closely I'm going to hew to the big book tonight. There are probably a few things from how it works that I'll talk about, but I feel like um, I feel like what it feels like important to share is um, is what's true for me with regard to steps one through three because they're not really that separate to me um, in, in my journey of recovery, at least not where I am right now. Uh, and so we'll see. I'll see where this goes. Um, So when I came to, I'll I'll qualify quickly. Uh, I've been obese my whole life. I mean, okay, I wasn't born that way, but pretty soon thereafter and probably still today. Uh, I'm 50 right now. I'm five foot eight. My high weight was in 2003 at 380 pounds. Uh, I had, I ruined my gastric bypass surgery. So, you know, the time where they actually like rewrite your small intestine and do all kinds of wacky things. Um, I maintained about 110, 120 pound weight loss, uh, until 2019. And in 2019, uh, I weighed about 265 pounds. Uh, I knew about OA. way I knew about 12 step programs. So, so, okay, sorry, before I go there, let me just say, here's what it was like. Terrible. It was really, uh, it was really just kind of, awful. And the thing that that, that amazes me the most is like, I thought I was happy. I thought life was good. I thought that um, it's like, I believed my own hand waving, right? Because so much of my life was um, was misdirection. It was like, please don't look at me. Look at everything about me, except me. Look at how smart I am. Look at how funny I am. Look at how good at solving problems I am. Look at how responsible I am. Um, look, look at, look at how, what a great job I do taking care of my family. Look at all all these, all these, look what a great relationship I have with my wife. Spoiler alert. It was not a great relationship, which is why I'm now divorced. And I, and I'm not, I say that with no regret and no, um, and not even any, any grief. Uh, I wouldn't change a second of it because the thing is living recovered today, like I wouldn't trade this for anything. And, and by the way, like I would give back every pound of the you know, 50-ish pounds I've lost in these rooms in the last couple of years. I'd give it all back and, and twice as much if I could still feel the way I feel now. I'm, I didn't And I didn't come for the vanity. Um, so what it was like was deep inside me, there is a voice and that voice is always ready to say, hey, Matt, guess what? You are a worthless piece of crap. It doesn't say crap. And uh, you really have nothing of any value to offer to anyone. And it really would be best if you hadn't been born in the first place, but you were. So really, why don't you have a donut? Kill yourself with donuts. That's, that's what it's like deep inside me. That's a belief. Right? It's, it's a voice that I hear. And I didn't, the, the, the only, the thing I can say was a gift was when I came to this program, I didn't realize I was hearing that voice. I didn't understand that I held that belief. And thank God for that. Because I, th- I think if I had, like, I don't know what would have happened because it's a terrible way to feel. And to confront it head on would have just been deadly. So that's what it was like. Not fun. What happened was, I always spend way too much time on this. Um, I came to this program a devout agnostic. The way that I came to this program is one of the most important sort of pillars upon which my faith is built. When I came to this program, I I, I had it on my to-do list to listen to a big book step study for reasons having absolutely nothing to do with recovery. I don't, I didn't work in, it was for work, but I don't work in the field of recovery. I'm not a therapist or a helping professional. It was, it was for entrepreneurs. It was like that female profit-driven. Um, but I had one of on my to-do list to do. I'd taken my daughter to see my grandmother. My flight home was canceled. Hers wasn't, mine was. So I had to drive 17 hours. So I was like, perfect time to listen to this big book study, step study thing. Um, the other things that you need to know, as I mentioned, I was devout agnostic. I also thought OA was BS. Again, not in so many words. And I said that out loud to someone in 12-step recovery. I believe in 12-step, I believe in 12-step recovery, but not this program, not for me. The, when, after I said, I think it's BS, the thing I followed it up with was, um, I know what step one is. We admitted we were powerless over food. Our lives have become unmanageable. If you're anorexic, you're bulimic, you weigh 900 pounds, you're going to binge until you burst, fine. Your life is unmanageable. But if you're me, go F yourself. Except I didn't say F. Those are quotes. Those are things I actually said out loud to someone who worked a really good program in AA, and she agreed with me. So I thought OA was BS. But, um, so on this drive, I had it on my to-do list listen to the thing. Go to YouTube, I, I type in, Big Book Step Study. You'll notice the the letters O and A did not appear in that order in that search, Um, but YouTube is owned by Google. And so when Google got the search request from Matt Fisher, because it knows who I am. um, It's probably on this line right now. Um, Google very helpfully supplied right at the top of the search results, not an ad, the search results, Laurie C's Big Book Step Study for OA. Um, which if you haven't heard it on YouTube, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Um, and cause Google knows me really well. So it was like, here, fat boy. Um, and I really didn't want to listen to it, but I was kind of like, okay, F you Google challenge accepted. Like sure. I'll listen to this craziness. So I did and 20 minutes in, I guess, uh, I heard Laurie. He was telling a story that was actually so gross to me that like, I thought I was gonna have to turn it off because I was like, I'm not, I don't want to puke in this rental car. Um, It was about like goose fat running down his chin. It was just, vile. but then, and so like I wasn't relating to it at all. And then he said, for me, there are some foods that once I start, I can't stop and I can't stop from starting. And my brain was like, here's six, like right off the cuff. I didn't even have to pause and ask the question. And I remember thinking, oh crap, I think I might have this thing. So that's what happened. But what are the odds? I mean, in an instant, I went from this program is BS, go after yourself. I don't believe in God. I mean, I don't disbelieve in God, right? I was a devout agnostic. I was like, there's something out there that has nothing to do with me. Bring me back step three. Um, and that's not where I'm at today. <laughs> I'd prayed like maybe a handful of times in my life. I had had no religion at all. Um, And I still don't, much to the despair of some people in my life. Um, But I do have a very deep faith in a higher power that is everything. Um, I, I just take that phrase from the agnostics. So that's what happened. And all that changed was everything. And when I say that um, that, that for me sort of steps one, two, and three like are not that separable from one another, I feel like it's kind of because I crashed through all three of them in a very short order without meaning to. Like I was not, I, I wasn't even really in a mode where I was like trying to lose weight, um, which was unusual in my life. Like I, you know, I spent most of my life, including as a child, like trying to lose weight. Um, and suddenly it was like, I had mentioned I didn't come for the vanity. I didn't. I just was like, I want what this guy has. So I, mean, I said the other day that like Google was my Ebby and Larry C was kind of my first sponsor. Like I just, I just needed to hear what he said when I, when I heard it and how I heard it um, and it was kind of off to the races. So here's where I'm at today. Um, that was, that was February 23rd of 2019. That was a Saturday. I finished the drive and the step study on Sunday. I got home Sunday night. I wrote down the list of foods that once I started, I couldn't stop. And I couldn't stop from starting. And Monday morning, I just woke up as a person who didn't eat those foods. anymore. I'm an addict. And weirdly, I have an addict's approach to recovery. I need things to be black and white. I do not negotiate. I I resist because I'm an addict. I lie to myself because I'm an addict. I fight like hell to keep every food I, I've added to my red light list since off of the red light list. But once I finally know it's gotta go on and I text my sponsor, I'm like, I don't eat this anymore. I don't eat it anymore. And that's not willpower. <laughs> I don't know what it is, if I could bottle it, believe me, I would. Um, I, I I, mean, that. That's, that's my higher power. I mean, like my higher power brought me into that car, had me listen to that thing. Brought out those things that it caused me to identify in in a heartbeat, and everything that happened since. So, but but where I am with step one, two, and three is this, and you know it's uh, there's that section of how it works on page sixty that says our description of the alcoholic, the chapter of the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. C, that God could and would if he were sought. That's similar, that's like sort of what I, how I see steps one through three, but to me, like it has to be even a little simpler. And I also needed, it couldn't, I, I couldn't, one of the things I loved about Larry C's big book study was it wasn't about good or bad. It was just about true or not true, and when my brain rattled off those foods that once that I knew I couldn't stop once I started, and I couldn't stop from starting, I it was just like admitting that that I qualified was the easiest thing in the world. It was just a, it was like a fact that was true. Um, it was like admitting that it was like admitting that I have brown eyes. You know, it's like admitting that I'm five eight. Like, it's just it's just an attribute of who I am. And I tell, I tell these when I begin working with them, you might not have what I have. And if you don't, like there's nothing good or bad about being a compulsive overeater. And there's nothing good or bad about being recovered. It's just that like, this happens to be the treatment for the way that I felt because I'm a compulsive overeater and I don't want to feel that way. So, but if you don't have what I have, if all you need to do is work with a nutritionist and a trainer and go to some meetings and you can diet with support and you're good, that's awesome. You don't need to work the steps, but I do. Um, so like admitting, and I, and I do feel like my observation is that I hear a lot of experience, strength, and hope about how difficult it is to admit it. But I mean, it's either true or it's not true for me. So once I admitted it was true, it was like, all right, well, I didn't choose this. Like in my whole life, I kind of felt like it was my fault that I was fat. But once I realized I was a compulsive overeater and I had been born that way, I'm like, did things exacerbate it? Maybe cause it, make it worse? I'm sure. And like the question of why, I would love to spend my time navel-gazing and thinking about why I'm a compulsive overeater, why I did what I did, but it doesn't matter. Why is an outside issue? How is an outside issue? I don't need to know why I'm a compulsive eater or how this works, although the chapter is how it works. All I need to know is I am, and it does. That's it. And all I need to know about, and so like, I didn't choose this. No human power chose this for me. No one like sat down, no human sat down, and designed Matt and was like, let's make him love donuts and get real fat. That didn't happen. So if no human power caused this problem, how is any human power going to solve it? Like, I mean, that, that's just logic and reason to me. I mean, stripped of all emotion, it, no amount of exercising, dieting, not dieting, thinking, meditating, problem solving, therapy, uh, having gastric bypass surgery or anything else I tried was ever going to change my eyes from brown to blue. What makes me think it's gonna make me not a compulsive overeater? So if no human power can solve my problem, and I want to believe it can be solved. I don't have a lot of choice, but to turn to a power greater than human to solve it. Like I, that is just the most simple logical conclusion that I could possibly reach. And so, I, when I once I accepted that that all that was true, I didn't have a good conception of a higher power. But I mentioned that I have a I, I have an addict's approach to recovery. Like I need things to be black and white. Because I'm an addict. I'm super good at rationalizing things. I'm super good at doing what I want because I want to do it. I'm super good at lying to myself and other people, but myself most of all. And so when it came to conception of my higher power, I just chose everything. I choose a God that is everything, a completely irreligious God that is literally everything. And when I, when I, when I, when I went down that rabbit hole in a meeting, so like we were reading from the big book and someone read that line aloud and it always caught me. And I was like, Hmm, let's, let's follow this where it goes. I don't believe God is nothing. So therefore God must be everything. But does that include me? And I remember I really didn't want it to include me, but I was finally kind of like, well, everything's everything, man. Like you're part of it. Are you part of everything? I mean, and, and so what that means to me is that everything that, happens in my life happens exactly the way it's supposed to. And everything that ever has happened in my life happened exactly the way it was supposed to. And that's always going to be true, not only until the end of my life, but until the end of time. So what was I doing having all these feelings about all that crap? What was the point of all that? And I remember, I remember when I reached that, that point in the meeting, I was like, I'm good. That, that works for me. So... I feel like this is the most rambling, random, big book study share ever. Three um, more
1: minutes, Matt. Thank you.
0: Um, I'll just share, uh, returning to the book a little bit. You know, The, the book talks a lot about um, that a life run on self-will can hardly be a success. And it talks a lot about the actor and the director. And one of the things that I've realized about my life and, and why and re? and here's a here's a good example of why god is everything and surrendering it all to god is the only thing that works for me um you know look i'm a human i have incredibly like i live entirely inside my skin and there's all kinds of crap that happens all the time that i'm not even aware of so how could i possibly know what's going on in someone, inside someone else's skin I'm human, so I have incredibly flawed perceptions. I can't possibly deal with every amount of sensory input that comes my way all the time. I make assumptions and abstractions because otherwise I'd go insane. But that means that what I perceive to be reality is never an accurate depiction of reality. And that includes other people, not just objects. But the thing is, there's a lizard brain at the base of my skull that needs to know what to do, right? I'm the I don't mean to go to an outside issue, but like someone once said, we're the descendants of the most nervous monkeys. And I kind of believe that, like the nervous monkey lizard brain at the base of my brain needs to know in every moment, what do I do? Do I run away? Do I fight like hell or do I freeze in place? And so I observe the world horribly imperfectly. I have to tell myself stories about what's happening so that I know what, so that that lizard brain knows what to do. But the stories don't need to be true. They just need to be plausible to a lizard. The thing is, I believe them all the time. I I think I'm, there's a movie playing in my head all the time and I think it's a documentary. It's not a documentary, it's a Kubrick movie. It's rarely like overtly horror, but it's often very disturbing and always fictional. So for me, the first three steps and all of the rest of the footwork I do are just about reconnecting to, to remember Right, right, right. This is a movie. It's still safe to go to hotels. Jack Nicholson's not gonna be there and kill me. Like that's all, that's all it is. So that I can live my life. Remembering that the stories I tell myself are just stories. And that if God is everything, then like everything that happens is okay. It may be appalling to me. It may be upsetting. And that's all completely fine because having feelings is human too But I need to remember that those feelings are not a true story. And when I become too attached to them, that's the source of all of my my trouble, of all of my suffering, is when I believe that the movie's real and forget that God is the director of that movie, not me. And I don't see, I see the smallest percentage of the smallest percentage of the real movie. I don't know a damn thing about anything or anyone. And my life is just much better when I remember that that's true. And that includes like why I'm a compulsive overeater, why this program works, um, why I forgot that I was speaking tonight, and uh, why for the first time in my life I'm actually going to wrap up a share on, on time. So that is time. I'm um, at okay. JF and I'll pass. Thank you. Problem with this format is that I finished talking then I have to talk again. Hold on a second. It's not a problem. It's just, you know, I had muted. One second. And we're still recording, that's great. Okay. Uh, We will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. Ha ha ha. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine, if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order. With a timekeeper, please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up.
1: Hi, Matt, I'm actually gonna start. I would love to hear how you sponsor in step three, how you like to sponsor in step three or or if you have any specific things that you'd like to do when you sponsor in step three. And thank you so much for your service tonight.
0: Sure. Um, I basically tell people what I just said. Um, It evolves over time as my understanding evolves. Um, But I really, And I've worked with sponsees who were religious and sponsees who were atheist. And, and I, I found that that formulation of like, you know, look, this is just something that's true about me. It wasn't my choice. No human power created that circumstance. Um, so how's any human power going to solve it? So if I want to recover, like I pretty much have no choice, but the hope that the power to recover is going to come from somewhere, that it's not going to be me. It's I and I know there's that saying you know I only needed to know two things one there is a God and two it's not me um, and the third thing that I needed to know is if I want to recover that's got to be true both of them so I just by hook or by crook I try and find a way to do that and and I I find that I I am watchful for a lot of I um, especially early a lot of um, when, when sponsees are telling me about, especially when they're early in their uh, in their abstinence, a lot of how they're running on their own power and they made the choices and they're keeping themselves strong and they and I and I always try and well, always, but like I I try and call their attention to it and I tell them I'm not I'm not coming from a place of judgment, but part of my role is to be a mirror and and part of my role is to be an echo chamber and just play back what I heard and call your attention to things that might benefit from more of your attention and that's it.
1: That was great. Thank you very much. Does anybody else have a question or would like to share on step three?
2: Jackie, go ahead. Hi, I'm Jackie. Um, Anorexic restrictor um, and math. Oh my God! Thank you so much for um, showing up here by, you know, what accident or whatever. It was just such a lovely um, testament to just trusting, being okay with who you are. Modeling that for me was just a beautiful thing, and um, and it was such a what I really loved about how you described your your devout agnosticism and the over identification with with your mind and stuff, it's very hard. I can relate to that so well, just letting go of the mind, you know? And, um, and I too have had the obsessions about, about just obsessing and perseverating over every little single thing about my body. And, um, and um, just, just getting, having my life getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And, smaller. and um, uh, to the point of just paralysis and, um, I don't know, I was just very moved by by your share today. And, um, you know, it's just true or it isn't, like you said, and God is everything or nothing. And um, just the idea that there could be another way. Um, it's like the mind that created the problem is not going to be the mind that solves the problem. And coming to that realization that there, there is another way, um, you really spoke about that today to me. And um, I just really wanted to thank you for that. And the other thing you said that um, that really resonated was, you know, it was about what you said at the beginning, you know, everything, look at everything about me, but don't really look at me. And um, because I was such a good girl and functioning, you know, I thought really well, but I didn't know what I didn't know and I didn't see what I didn't see. and um, And I'm just now starting to see me and I see me and you and because you shared you with me. And I just want to say thank you for that. It's very inspiring. So, oh no, I want to say I love you. Is that weird? Anyway, I love all you guys. <laughs> I'm just starting to feel the love. It's just amazing. So thank you so much, Matt.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. Love you. Love, so much love. Um, Melissa C., love you. You're up.
3: Love you too. Love you too. I, lo- I love love. I love when everybody's like, I love you. I love you. Just, that's how I know that there's a God, right? That, that, that's how I know that there's a God, that a group of strangers could come together on a Wednesday night and like share their crap and tell each other that they love each other and mean it. How's that? Really mean it. Um, that's how I know that there's a God. I, you know, I love when you started talking about the, the stories that you tell yourself. Right, And, you know, I started writing notes down and it's, yeah, the stories I tell my stuff, they're just stories, but I'm the one telling the stories, right? I have a huge investment in these stories. And I realized, you know, part of my thing is I'm gonna cast you in the roles in my stories, whether you like it or not. And, um, and I'm gonna assign you whatever roles that I decide you're gonna play, whether you like it or not. And that's where I come into great difficulty because everybody is also busy writing their own stories, casting one another in their own roles, whether they like it or not. And I find, you know, step three for me was um, was like, I'm not writing the story anymore. Here, you write the story, you know? And that's that's like a huge letting go. and And especially when, Yeah, don't look at me. Let me, only look at the things I want you to look at about me. Only look at the stuff I'm gonna show you and I'm gonna promote it. Cause you have to believe it in order for my story to work. If my, if you don't believe what I'm gonna sell you my story can't work. And that's a big letting go. There, you know, God, the creator has the story. And I think like for me, step three was I can, I'm gonna accept, I'm gonna get one piece of the puzzle at a time. That's it, that's all I'm gonna get. And eventually it's gonna become a picture, right? If I if I just trust and rely, um, so good. It's so good living that way because I don't have to kill myself with food trying to get everybody to play the role in my made up, you know, my made up nonsense stories, which weren't even that good how's that? They weren't such great stories. (laughs) It was like, what was I doing? Wasn't much of a success story. So, yeah, thanks. Oh, I loved, I loved this. Thank you. Thanks.
1: Thank you so much, Melissa. Kira, you're up.
4: Hi, everyone. I'm Kira, my recovered compulsive reader, Thank you everyone for your service. And Matt, I have a question for you um, in, in just a, a moment, if, if I may, um, I really was inspired by your share today. And uh, I've heard you in the past and, and this past Saturday. And with step three, I mean, my brain has just been like cracking open every day and I'm very grateful for it. And if I think of step three, what is my life? It's everything. It's in my thinking. It's in my behaviors. It's in my, you know, it's my life. It's everything I know. And what am I turning it over to? As you said, and as I feel in my own spiritual practice, that my higher power is everything. So I'm turning like everything over to my everything. And I, I like thinking about that. Anyway, my question um, is also relating to the, the stories that we tell ourselves. And yeah, I do it too. And I, I see it or I'm trying to see it lately as like, it's things that I'm attaching to and putting before my higher power, or I'm saying like, if I didn't have this thing, I, I, I would, I would not be okay. I would, I don't know. Um, but yeah, <sighs> What I heard you say was the problem is when I attach and I was wondering if you have any practices or just insight into how you realize that you've attached or before you've attached to those stories and what kind of you work through with that and I hope that made sense, I feel like I end every question with that, but okay, thank you.
0: I feel like I, have, I end every minute with that. Um, so, uh. The problem is that most of the time I don't I don't realize it's it's, it's insidious, right? I mean, I I start believing my own false narrative, um, which like you'd think I wouldn't, right? Because like like I said, not usually overtly hard, but usually pretty disturbing. Like every story I tell myself about what's going on inside someone someone else's head, like best case is charitable and incredibly wrong, but likely case is terrible and incredibly wrong. So it's like, um, when I find myself uh, hooked, it's, it's sort of like, so I don't do a ton of 10 steps. Uh, and there are two reasons. One is um, when I do my step 11, it tends to be pretty in depth. Uh, so it's like a mini four step kind of, and I can't do it at night because we're not side medical issues, so I do it the next day. So it tends to be like a mini, it takes a long time. I do like a mini step, four step every day about the day before. But the other reason is that the second I realize I could do a ten step, because like that to me, what you just described is like time to do a ten step. Um, when I'm hooked, or when I'm when I'm attached to something, when I have an expectation that's not being met, immediately, Like the second I realize I probably should do a ten step about this, the energy level dissipates by about ninety percent usually. And the reason is to use a different movie analogy. It's like if, it's it's like I've heard it's like that resentment is like I've heard there's a new Steven Seagal movie coming out, and I haven't seen that movie. Obviously, it's just coming out, but I've seen that movie. I know how that movie ends. It's not going to end with Steven Seagal, the bad guy, dead, not getting the girl, or getting his butt kicked by the by by like you know some loser, right? That's not the way Steven Seagal movies go, and that's not the way my Ten Steps go either. So, it's sort of like. The second I realize I, I could do one, I'm like, oh, I don't need to do one. This is this is entirely on me. This is all my thing. And the part that's not um that's not my thing is God's thing. Like that, that's what I just have to keep kind of reconnecting to. And that's that's the point of my prayer meditation in the morning. And when I manage to pause and pray during the day, it's just reconnecting to like, right, right, right. None of this is a math thing. It's all a God thing. Because if God's everything, how could it be any other way? Um, The other thing I'll say is that it helps me sometimes to reframe when I remember to to try and move from sort of silently whining to myself, like unconsciously, why is this happening to me? And instead trying to ask myself, why is this supposed to be happening to me? Um, And it's sort of like it doesn't matter if it's true or not. But when I ask that question, I get much better answers. So I don't know if that helps, but I pass.